0: Hi, this is Justin Rude with a project on government oversight. I'm talking with Liz Himpowitz, POGO's policy director, about some of the updates on the oversight provisions in the CARES Act. Liz, great to talk with you.
1: Always great to talk with you, Justin.
0: A few weeks ago, you helped us understand the different bodies that were created by the Act, the Special Inspector General, the uh, Accountability Committee of IGs, the Prac, uh, and the Congressional Oversight Commission. Um, and now it looks like the House is um, forming a fourth uh, body, a select committee. So I hope we could talk a little bit about that uh, as well. Um, overall, what are the big changes that we've seen since the law was passed several weeks ago?
1: Well, since the law was passed, the president has nominated an inspector, so nominated an individual to be the special inspector general at the Treasury Department. Um, the... There was an appointment of the uh, IG to lead the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, um, but unfortunately, that was kind of undone. Um, uh, Michael Horowitz, who's the Department of Justice Inspector General, also leads the Council of Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency, and that's where the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee is situated. And so Horowitz has the um, responsibility to pick uh, the Inspector General that'll serve as the leader of that committee as well as the executive Executive director and deputy director that'll help on the day-to-day management of the committee. So Michael Horowitz chose Glenn Fine, who is acting IG at the Department of Defense, one of the inspectors general offices, making up the prac. Um, But but shortly thereafter, the president um, not only nominated somebody for the position permanently, um, that person's nomination is now in front of the Senate, um, but he also took an additional step and kind of removed Glenn uh, Glenn Fine from his position as the acting inspector general at the Department of Defense. By um, by appointing somebody else to to serve in that role temporarily, uh, so right now, so so you, when you ask for updates, you know we had a leader of the PRAC and now we don't have one, so so it doesn't look different, but there were some updates, um, and then and then also uh, the there are four members of the five members that will make up the Congressional Oversight Commission um, that you mentioned, although we are still waiting for that for for um, Majority Leader McConnell and and Speaker Pelosi to name, they have uh, the responsibility to name the chair together. And so that's that's kind of taking the longest.
0: So it sounds like we've had some early steps forward and maybe uh, a couple early steps back.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sounds fair. And then and then, if you'll just give me one more minute um, to speak, <laughs> I realize I, I'm throwing a lot at you. But um, one other update worth mentioning is that the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee also earlier this week released their website. Um, it is, I believe, pandemic.oversight.gov um, is how you get there. But uh, under the CARES Act, um, which created the PRAC, they also require the PRAC to host a public um, public website that, that'll be, Kind of a good place for the public to go to to uh, take a look at what the committee is doing, but they're also going to host um, a lot of the data that they receive from from recipients uh, that that receive federal funding under um, the response to coronavirus. And so, I did want to flag that that is up and live, although it doesn't have a ton of information on it yet. That's just because the PRAC hasn't received most of the information or the data that they'll be putting up on that website. I see.
0: Well, let's turn back now and dig in a little bit deeper on each of these bodies, um, Liz, and uh, to make this a little bit fun for me anyway, and maybe for you, uh, I thought we could do it through a series of trivia questions. Love it. You up for it? Always. All right. So I've got questions. We're going to have 20 seconds on the clock, uh, and the uh, you'll get as many questions as you can answer in 20 seconds.
1: That's great. And what do I win?
0: Um, I think the the uh, support and encouragement of a grateful America.
1: Excellent, that's what I live for.
0: We have 20 (laughs) seconds on the clock. Uh, We're gonna be talking about the Special Inspector General for Pandemic Recovery. Are you ready? I'm ready. You've got your thinking cap on?
1: Yes, now it is.
0: All right, and now we should say that although we're doing this virtually, I have confirmed verbally with Liz she has no AIDS or Uh, other support documents or resources available. She's doing this entirely off the top of her head. Is that right, Liz?
1: That is right. I've even kicked my dog out of the room.
0: The the source of true knowledge. That's right. Being being solid. The watchdog after all. All right, here we go, 20 seconds on the clock. Who did President Trump nominate to be Special Inspector General?
1: Brian Miller.
0: Has he been confirmed by the Senate?
1: Not yet, although the Senate, um, they have a nomination hearing for him on Tuesday.
0: And what is he doing right now?
1: He is in the White House Counsel's Office.
0: He was previously IG at what agency? General Services Administration. We are almost out of time, but I really like this question, so I'm gonna ask it anyway. Hmm. In what Las Vegas hotel was a scandalous GSA conference held that was one of the hallmarks of Miller's service as IG there?
1: Oh, I don't know, but I'm gonna just throw out the first one that came to mind—the uh, Venetian.
0: No, I'm sorry, it was the M Resort and Casino.
1: I don't even—is the Venetian even a hotel in Las Vegas? I think so.
0: Yeah, okay. that sounds right to me. <laughs> so, uh, and I want uh, to just get a little deeper on this Special Inspector General of the—the the pandemic response uh, is a pretty vast. We've spent more money now in the last couple of weeks than than the government um, has spent through that many bills uh, and time uh, in quite a while. Um, What portion of that is, are you looking to see oversight on from the Special Inspector General?
1: Well, I don't know if it's that I'm looking for it, or, or if it's that the law requires it. But the um, the Special Inspector General for Pandemic Recovery is um, has a pretty limited is definitely not the right word, but but limited jurisdiction to only the 500 billion dollars appropriated to the Treasury Department um, to allocate uh, as they see fit, really. So you know, there's um, the the way that the CARES Act is structured is that a lot of the kind of pots of money that it uh, that it appropriated money into. Come with conditions on how that money can be spent. Now, whether or not those conditions are enough is a is a question for a whole other day. Because I would love to talk your ear off about the Paycheck Protection Program, um, but we'd be here all day. Uh, but um, but the but the five hundred billion that the Treasury Department got is really kind of discretionary spending that um, that sec- Secretary Mnuchin uh, is going to really make those decisions on how that money is allocated. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it was important to Congress that 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 particular pot of money have its own dedicated oversight body, which is the Special Inspector General. Now, the Special Inspector General for Pandemic Recovery, once there is somebody that fills that role and that office exists, will be a part of the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. So I like to think of these oversight mechanisms kind of like Russian nesting dolls in the sense that they kind of build upon each other. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of what the Special Inspector General uh, at the Treasury Department is going to be looking at.
0: Okay, so for that $500 billion pot of money controlled by the Treasury Secretary, we're going to be looking for the Special Inspector General to to hopefully play a lead role. Yeah, yeah, and, kind of, and, and make sure the that
1: goes. the decision making at the Treasury, you know, makes sense, which when they're deciding how to allocate this money. Um, sure. I think that's going to be really important for the Special Inspector General to be taking a close look at. You know, we don't want people to be benefiting from money simply benefiting from this emergency spending simply because they're politically well-connected. And so I think that's something that, that people are a little bit concerned about and what the Special Inspector General should keep a keen eye on.
0: Well, you mentioned the PRAC, so why don't we turn to that next? This is the Public, uh, excuse me, the Pandemic Recovery Accountability Committee.
1: Pandemic Response Accountability excuse Committee, me. but. Thank
0: you. <laughs> Pandemic Response Accountability Committee. Uh, and now this is the body that's made up of other IGs. They have a relatively large budget. They'll be able to have independent staff as well as um, be augmented by the support of the work of the different IGs that make up the, the prac. So this is of the bodies that we're talking about. This one is really kind of the, the largest, the best resource, um, and has the, the broadest jurisdiction. Do I have that way?
1: Certainly, I think you know jurisdictionally it definitely has the broadest jurisdiction when we're talking about kind of the um, the oversight mechanisms uh, situated within the executive branch. Now, with the Select Committee in the House, um, I think that committee's jurisdiction is all is maybe comparable to to the pracs. Um, but but yes, yeah. The short answer to Great. your question
0: is yes. Great, that's a that's a very very good point. Yeah, the, I'm sure the congressional committee has a as broad a jurisdiction as Congress may enjoy That's
1: right.
0: um, available to them. All right. So we've got 20 seconds on the clock. We've got another set of questions. Okay. The dog is, I want to confirm the dog is still out of the room.
1: Still out of the room.
0: All right, here we go. The pandemic response accountability committee got a new executive director this week. What is his name?
1: Westbrooks.
0: Robert Westbrooks. That's right. Does he need Senate confirmation?
1: He does not.
0: What is he doing now?
1: hopefully he's at the prac
0: and now before he took this position he worked in ig offices for four other agencies can you name them
1: i can name uh the sba small business administration um hmm. i want to say labor and those are the only two that are coming to
0: me Okay, uh, it's the Small Business Administration, Department of Transportation, U.S. Postal Service, and the National Archives.
1: Okay, all right, one out of four.
0: Um, so the, it sounds like the FRAC is, despite the early kind of steps forward and back with Mr. Fine and, um, uh, and, and, uh, and now at the appointment of uh, Mr. Westbrooks, it seems like we're, we're starting to get some, some forward momentum here. Um, Is there anything in terms of the the waterfront of issues that there is to to scrutinize to look into here? Is there a particular area that you're expecting the practice to shine? Or where are we going to see them really doing the most important work?
1: Yeah, I think you know the prac by just by nature of how it's set, set up you know it, it encompasses igs from all these different agencies those igs are going to be conducting their own oversight uh, into what their agencies are doing um, in response to coronavirus and how they're spending the money that congress allocated to their particular agencies now the prac is one of the one of the good things about having you know the igs that are already doing that work at the agencies as part of the prac means that like the, the pandemic response accountability committee can coordinate that work, can make sure that there isn't, you know, to the extent that there's duplication, that it is there in a helpful way, rather in a way that that would that would be an impediment to oversight. Um, but the but the committee itself, and, and I thank you for mentioning that they have you know, a good deal of appropriations and will be able to hire their own staff. Um, one thing that's really important about that is that they'll also be able to detail that staff that they hire to those IG agencies in case they, in case they need to. Um, because the PRAC is really the committee itself is, um, is, is supposed to kind of conduct oversight over um, like the large tranches. Of data that they will be collecting. So not limited to any individual agency's program, although of course the PRAC can help those agency IGs um, with capacity or with, you know, investigations or or whatever would make sense in in that relationship. But really they should be taking a look at kind of the overarching uh, picture here because they have the biggest, you know, window into kind of everywhere this money is going and who it's going to, because the prac is not only going to receive quarterly reporting from anybody who receives money, um, you know, and companies that receive money from the federal government as part of this response. Um, But they'll also, and and I should mention that that data that they receive from recipients, they're required to post on that website that I mentioned to you. Um, But then they'll also, in addition to that, they'll be receiving monthly reports from agencies, how the agencies are spending money that was appropriated to them. So the PRAC itself is gonna have two windows into this same information, right? Because ideally it would line up completely what we're hearing from recipients uh, and what we're hearing from agencies would line up. Um, But in case it doesn't, the PRAC will be able to almost immediately be able to highlight where that isn't happening.
0: I see. Uh, Lizzie, you've mentioned a lot of the programs like the the Paycheck Protection Program and others, the pot of money at the Treasury Department. but I know that the, um, the Federal Reserve has been taking some pretty drastic steps um, to, try to, uh, to try to shore up the economy um, and provide some stability uh, while, we, while we move through the pandemic. What, who is providing oversight of, of those actions? I know the Fed is one of the kind of most secretive non-classified agencies yeah. in D.C. Yeah. Um, who's, who's, who's in position to keep an eye on what they're doing and who's benefiting?
1: So um, I, you know, I so two. I've got uh, a two-part answer to that. Um, the first part is let's stick stick with the PRAC for a second. Um, the Michael Horowitz, who again is the chair of SIGI, which is where the PRAC is, which is why I keep mentioning him. That's that's it's not from his role as IG that he's you know very involved in this. Um, but he uh, the CARES Act allowed not only for the formation of the PRAC with the named inspectors general that were in the legislature. Um, but gave Horowitz the authority to add additional inspectors general to it and one of the things I mentioned earlier he added the special inspector general for pandemic recovery he also added the IG for the Federal Reserve which is great because you're right they are more secretive Um, but in addition to kind of the prac and and I think one of the questions we'll have uh, down the road as we watch the prac um, really start it's really aggressive oversight is going to be whether or not they run into trouble or any um, problems receiving full transparency from the Federal Reserve. But I think you know that's something we can come to if if it happens. Um, and then the Congressional Oversight Commission uh, was also created under the CARES Act, and as their jurisdiction covers both the 500 billion dollars that the Treasury Department has, so that lines up with a Special Inspector General over there. But then also they have jurisdiction to look at the Federal Reserve and what and what they're doing. And I think we've already seen um, what that may have accomplished in um, even when there was only a single member of the Congressional Oversight Commission. Um, he sent a letter to the Federal Reserve kind of encouraging them to be more transparent than usual, and, um, and the Federal Reserve agreed. You know, they announced a few days later, and, and then I don't mean to say that it was only the Oversight Commission reaching out because I think members of Congress were talking about this, um, members of civil society, of course, uh, and journalists were highlighting the Federal Reserve, its role, and its kind of relative secrecy to, to other um, to federal agencies, at least. Um, and, and so we did did see the Federal Reserve announced that they would include more detailed information in a public way, um, unredacted, uh, which is good, but, but I do think, you know, we, that it's not enough. And so there does need to be robust oversight. And, and I'm glad that, they're, that that's part of the Congressional Oversight Commission's jurisdiction.
0: I see. So it sounds like for the Congressional Oversight Commission, which we haven't really spent a lot of time uh, on in this conversation. Um, one of the important pieces for them is, is the, the Federal Reserve and the actions that the feds taken. Yes. Um, that they may be looking at a little more closely than, than others. And certainly I think we'll need that scrutiny going forward. Yes. Um, but that reminds me that you haven't answered, we haven't gotten to the trivia questions for the Congressional Oversight Commission. That's right. Are and you And I do ready? have to
1: warn you, my dog has come into the room, but <laughs> he has promised not to help me with any of the answers.
0: All right, well, we'll see if we can tell the voices apart. Hmm. We have 20 seconds on the clock, and here we go. There are currently four members named to the commission. Can you name any two of them, as well as the member of Congress who appointed them?
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, Speaker Pelosi appointed Representative Shalala, and um, uh, Minority Leader McCarthy appointed Representative French Hill, and um, mm, I believe it was Majority Leader McConnell appointed Senator Toomey and then Senator, Schu- right. Minority Leader Schumer. Uh, this is the problem is that I'm, I don't wanna mispronounce his name. Um, but, <laughs> but- Arat uh,
0: Ramamurti, I believe. There you go. That's right, former Warren staffer. Very, very good. You named all four. That's very impressive. Um, uh, we've run out of time, um, but I do wanna ask anyway, not for points, just for fun. There is a fifth position on that commission still vacant. What is it and who's responsible for filling it?
1: The vacant position is the chairman position of the Congressional Oversight Commission. Um, And I think it's relevant because, well, of course it's relevant, right? It's a five person commission. We've only got four of those five. Um, There's no reason we shouldn't have all five. That puts us in the strongest position possible. It's in the strongest position possible. Um, but one of the one of the reasons why I think it's particularly relevant is that there was reporting earlier this week um, by Politico that there is you know there that there is not a kind of unified understanding between the four commission members what their role should be. And I think a you know a chairman um, would really be able to play that role of kind of setting the agenda for the commission and, and setting the priorities. Um, you asked who was responsible for or who is responsible for appointing um, the chairman and I think the answer to that will explain one reason. Reason why it's taking longer than the other appointments, Um, but it is that position is appointed in consultation between Majority Leader McConnell and Speaker Pelosi, and so they have they they have to agree on who they who they pick. Now, I I say that it may that that kind of explains why it's taking a little bit longer, but I don't want us to. I'm not actually particularly that sympathetic um, to them taking longer on this. What's that? Because you know they were very involved in writing the CARES Act, it wasn't a surprise to them that they would have this responsibility. And I'm actually kind of shocked that it's taking so long. Um, you know, this, this these oversight mechanisms, these oversight bodies, are so critically important right now. Money is being spent incredibly quickly, and it should be the, it should be num- one of the first priorities for every member of Congress to ensure that these oversight mechanisms are functioning. And strong as possible, and so this kind of slow roll, where a month after now the CARES Act has been passed, um, and there's still no there's still no chair of this commission, I think it's really um, it's unconscionable, honestly.
0: Uh, well, especially it, just to underscore that point, I, I think um, given the position that the Fed has taken um, in terms of uh, the visibility of its own actions, um, undercutting the functioning of a body. Um, who has the authority and the mission, um, the responsibility to take a look at those things, I think is a real... Seems like a challenge here. Now, yeah, but they haven't know, been. I also think. I'm sorry.
1: It's, no, sorry, I'm, I'm interrupting you. But I also think you know it sends a signal that this body is not that important to those members. And if that's the signal they want to send, then like message received. But but it undercuts the authority of the commission. You know, like they don't even have they don't have subpoena power. And so you know I think that is one weakness of the commission. But but really, you know, I, I said earlier, and I'll say it again. I think it should be like one of the first priorities for every single member. Of Congress right now to ensure that this massive amount of federal government spending has adequate oversight. And, you know, I just, I wish we could point to congressional leadership as as taking that more seriously. And and unfortunately, you know, it's things like this that make me kind of question that.
0: Well, I mean, the interesting point there, um, and without disputing um, what you're saying, at the same time, uh, House Speaker Pelosi has taken steps to stand up a fourth body, this select committee, um, to conduct oversight um, similar to what the Congressional Oversight Commission was tasked with uh, in, the, in the law. Um, so I guess what's going on there?
1: Yeah, so the House voted last week to create that select committee. It is situated in the House Oversight and Reform Committee, so it's a subcommittee of that House committee. And yesterday, um, Wednesday, April 24th, uh, Speaker Pelosi named um, the Democrats that would make up the committee. I believe it's going to be seven seven or eight Democrats and five Republicans, question mark. And I say that because today, Minority Leader McCarthy was saying that he's not sure he's going to. Make, he's going to name anybody to to join them on that to join the Democrats on that select committee. You know, when when the House voted last week to create it, it was I believe it was only Democrats that voted in favor of this committee. Um, Republicans in in the House have said you know they they think this is um, a politically motivated committee that's just going to be going after the president, um, and so you know they didn't vote for it. And now we're hearing from Minority Leader. Uh, McCarthy that that he may not even appoint members to it, um, so so I think the kind of future of the committee is is up in the air right now. Although you know at, le- at the very least there's there's uh, seven Democrats on it.
0: Well, uh, yeah, and let's take a step back also and acknowledge that um, that refusal to cooperate with the uh, standing up of an oversight committee in itself is not a super helpful position right. uh, for for oversight. So I think there's lots of. Lots of fingers to point, lots of blame to go around. Unfortunately, none of it is pointing towards the agencies that are um, currently in the midst of pushing all this money out the door and responding to the pandemic, um, which is I think what a lot of Americans would like to would like to see right now. Um, there's certainly no shortage of stories about um, the problems that we're seeing in some of these programs, the folks who can't access, the small businesses who can't access the programs, uh, money going out that we don't know who's receiving it, things like this. So, Mm -hmm. Um, Well, let's hope they get those uh, stood up quickly uh, and on their way. Um, Liz, I really appreciate this conversation, I've learned a lot about what these different bodies do. Um, Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you think is important?
1: Ooh. Yeah, you know, I think the one thing I I, I obviously really love talking about the prac, Um, I do think it's one of the, I think it's one of the oversight mechanisms that is set up to be um, operational as quickly, uh, more quickly than the others, and you know, comes with more transparency than any of the others, kind of built into how it's operating, and to that, and just, I just wanted to make one, Point to that end um, is that you know I mentioned the website and that it's it's live now um, that it's required under the legislation, but that it will have data from recipients on it eventually. Um, so I just wanted to highlight when I think that's going to happen. Um, recipient reporting is quarterly, and so because the CARES Act was signed at the end of the first calendar quarter of the year, um, I think the the first set of reports from recipients of this funding won't be due until June. And and then the PRAC has 30 days to get that data online. And so I'm hoping by July that website will have, you know, a, a good deal of data on it that we'll be able to look through um, and, and that the PRAC will also be able to work from. Of course, they will have access to that data before the public does. Um, but I did want to highlight that to the extent that anybody listening to this is going to be, you know, trying to conduct their own oversight, which I really encourage everybody to do. You know, just go dig through those numbers. It's fascinating what you can find.
0: It's fun. Spreadsheets are fun. Take it from us at Pogo.
1: Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe that does not make us sound very trustworthy,
0: Justin. <laughs> oh, Liz. Liz, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I hope that you and your family are safe and doing well, and I look forward to talking to you about this more in the future.
1: Thank you. Back at you, Justin.
0: Bye.